Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James has the buzzer. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. Happy holiday season to you. Uh, We have a great show for you lined up today. Lee Steinberg, the president and founder of Steinberg Sports, a wide-ranging, in-depth interview with him. During his 30-year career, Steinberg has represented over 150 professional athletes in football, baseball, basketball, boxing, and Olympic sports. He's represented the number one overall pick in the NFL draft a record eight times, a milestone that is unmatched within the sports industry. His client list has included Steve Bartkowski, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Warren Moon, Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas, Ben Roethlisberger, Howie Long, Eric Karros, Dusty Baker, Lennox Lewis, and Oscar De La Hoya. So stay tuned for a wide-ranging conversation in-depth with super agent Lee Steinberg on today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. Follow me on Twitter at... SB Radio. You can find us on Facebook and our Twitter links by going to sportsbusinessradio.com. I want to remind you coming up later in the month, we will have our top 10 sports business stories of the year. We'd love your submissions for that list. Email me at Brian, B R I A N, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Coming up next, my conversation with super agent Lee Steinberg. You're listening to Sports Business radio podcast this show and any other past sbr episode at sportsbusinessradio.com back with more sbr after this it's the age of new media and citizen journalism everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Over the course of a 30-year career, Lee Steinberg has represented many of the most successful athletes and coaches in football, basketball, baseball, hockey, boxing, and golf, including the first overall pick in the NFL draft in unprecedented eight times. His clients have included 
Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young, Troy Aikman, and Warren Moon. He served as the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. You can follow him on Twitter at Steinberg Sports. Lee Steinberg joins me now. Lee, thanks for making time to join us on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for having me, Brian. So I love the story of how your career started with Steve Bartkowski. For the people who have not heard that story, tell us about how you broke in as a sports agent with Steve Bartkowski as your first client. Well, there really wasn't uh, a field of sports law or much sports representation uh, back in the mid-'70s. Most people had their parents uh, represent them or did it themselves. So I was a dorm counselor working my way through law school in an undergraduate dorm, and they moved the freshman football team into that dorm. One of the students was Steve Bartkowski, who later went on to become the All-American uh, quarterback and, and the pers- uh, prospective first pick in the first round, and then was drafted number one by the Atlanta Falcons. And so there I was, brimming with legal experience, having uh, graduated uh, uh, a year before, but just having traveled the world and, and, and not taken uh, one of the job offers yet. And he asked me to represent him. And um, there was a World Football League competing against the NFL. I mean, teams that will live uh, forever in your memory, like the Shreveport Steamer and the, Char- and the, and the Chicago Wind that the next year I think the game of the Chicago Fire, maybe we've got it reversed. But the point is that because of that leverage, because he was a big, good-looking, blue-eyed, blonde quarterback with a cannon for an arm, um, we were able to secure the largest rookie contract in NFL history. It eclipsed Joe Namath and O.J. Simpson, who had been the previous standard bearers. And um, um, that's how it began. And just for a good laugh, what was that contract back then with Steve Bartkowski? The contract covered four playing seasons. It was a total of $600,000. Jeez. The signing bonus was $250,000. His first year salary was $40,000. And, Brian, this made headlines all across the country, how anyone could ever be paid that much money. It's amazing. And, you know, I was going to ask you the things that have changed in the sports industry as your time as an agent. Obviously, money is one of the biggest things because you must shake your head now and say, wow, Steve Bartkowski made the kind of money you just described. But now guys are getting 40, 50 million dollar signing bonuses. It really is television, which has revolutionized the sports scene from the standpoint that once that three networks and a couple independents changed to 300 stations available on cable or satellite, then the world of sports changed forever. More sports televised uh, 24-7, more interview shows, more analysis shows, more highlight shows. Uh, The amount of sports programming available on television is exponentially higher than what it used to be. And it's made rights fees go through the roof. So a sport like the NFL, when I began, each team has a share of the national television contract back in 1976, got $2 million. And then the next contract was uh, got them to $17 million per team per season. And 
Art Modell wanted to extend that because the world was going to fall in. They'd never have that big a market. But Fox came on the scene, and the contract after that was $45 million per team. It was a 73. And this year's television package is $170 million. Now, to put that in perspective, the um, cost of the two franchises that came into the league, Tampa Bay and Seattle, in 19. 76 was $16.5 million. And uh, still, even when you get to uh, 1995, which is only 17 years ago, the cost was for Carolina and Jacksonville was $130 million. And when the next team came into the league, after all the television money, Houston cost $650 million. And this year, even the Cleveland Browns sold for a billion dollars. So the effect that television revenue has on franchise value and player salaries, and then there are so many new ways to enjoy sports that are all revenue streams. It's it's uh, every the, the computer and uh, the internet and iPhones and uh, uh, tablets. And all these ways, sponsorships, bigger luxury boxes, bigger scoreboards, um, more sports advertising, uh, fantasy leagues, um, so that it's, it's a brave new world that would hardly be recognizable from when I began. Super agent Lee Steinberg is my guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Steinberg Sports. Lee, you've been at the forefront of the concussion discussion that's become such a big topic in sports, specifically the NFL. What progress has been made and what still needs to be done, in your opinion? I think this is a ticking time bomb and an undiagnosed health epidemic that's going to emerge in five to ten years in such a stunning way that people will say, well, where did this all come from? And I was so disturbed back in the 90s when my NFL quarterbacks were getting concussions and I was representing half the starting quarterbacks. We'd go to doctors and they just couldn't answer the question, how many are too many and what's the magic number that starts to trigger long-term consequences and what are the consequences? No answers. So I held a series of concussion conferences where we got neurologists, and uh, helmet manufacturers and produced a white paper. Not much changed. We got rules with blocking and, and tackling with the head modified. We wanted a neurologist on the sideline. So 2006, we did it again uh, with the Concussion Institute in Los Angeles. And at that point, we had the goods because the neurologists were able to report that they did studies that showed that three or more appeared to be the magic number to cause exponentially higher rates of Alzheimer's, premature senility, dementia, uh, ALS, Parkinson's, and 40 to 50% higher rates of depression. Um, the problem is athletes are in denial, and they don't want to come out of games, and they may not recognize the symptoms. So... The league adopted, to its credit, after we did that, uh, then the commissioner convened a physician's conference for the first time, 
and that was uh, and a whistleblower edict, and then they uh, mandated uh, baseline testing, which is a cognitive way of uh, testing the degree of uh, consciousness uh, preseason, and then when the player gets the hit, they test again, and they make sure he's asymptomatic at rest um, on an extra cycle at practice before he goes back into a game. The problem is that these concussions continue to happen and will continue to happen. And there are dozens of sub-concussive events that happen. And this is not just a pro football problem. It's all collision sports. And it's especially harmful at the high school level because those brains take so much longer to, to respond. So that um, we're now working on the formulation for a new sports drink that is the first healing substance I've seen uh, for these issues. So imagine this. You watch a game in the NFL and you see the offensive line and defensive line hit together. They're stunned after that hit. They're getting a low-level concussive event happening, which is a concussion is not a blow uh, getting knocked out on the field. It's a blow to the head or neck, which occasions a change in brain function. So imagine now that they do that uh, 70 times a, a game for uh, 20 games a year uh, in practice. And uh, now at the end of a long high school collegiate and pro career, they've had 15,000 subconcussive hits. The cumulative effect of that is just is more serious than getting three major knockouts. So we've got a real problem. Um, and, uh, you know, it's modifying blocking and tackling in football. It's... Uh, an awareness so you don't have young kids uh, in AYSO heading the ball anymore, which causes lower uh, test scores. It's baseline testing. Um, there are a variety of things that, that can be done. So let me ask you this. Jay Cutler, Bears quarterback, just was concussed last week, his sixth concussion since being in the NFL. If Jay Cutler was your client do you tell him, you know what, Jay, maybe it's time to hang it up? Do you support him going forward? How do you deal with someone like that who's been concussed so many times and you just told us about the long-term effects of someone who has repeated concussions? First of all, since the athletes are in denial, remember, they've been since uh, Pop Warner and Little League taught to ignore pain, that real men stay in the lineup, uh, not to lose their place in line, and where you and I think that long-term health is the most critical issue. Um, and well after that, the ability to have a pro career, and below that, ability to play a given season, and below that, a game. And the lowest uh, priority is to play a play. It gets inverted on its head by the athlete. It's the play. It's right now. Uh, long-term consequences are an abstraction. And... So it's very, very difficult to get someone who's part of that team bonding and camaraderie to to really understand uh, the life after sports. So it takes very often parents, depending on the age, or wives or people around to to, and it should be the sport itself. Um, six concussions is too many concussions. So what I would do with an athlete is make sure he understood and then take him to the best specialist 
There's a Dr. Amen who does brain specs, so you can see the degree to which damage has already occurred, where the blood flow is in the brain. Um, and um, when you see a Jim McMahon, when you see other players who have lost memory, remember, Brian, what separates this injury from everything else. We know that the, every joint in the human body is going to be compromised by playing a collision sport. The knees, the hips, the elbows. You look at older players. When I presented Warren Moon in the Hall of Fame, the, watching the players go up on the stage was painful. Mm. I mean, they can hardly move um, when they get older. So we know that. We know that it's going to be rough to uh, pick up your child uh, bending over maybe when when an athlete turns 40. It's another thing not to be able to recognize that child. What we're talking about is consciousness, character, memory, what it means to be human. So that this uh, particular affliction robs uh, its victims of everything that you would recognize as their uh, personality, their, their whole sense of self. And uh, that's why we have to be so much more diligent. Last note on this. I think it's interesting the point you just made that when players are playing, they want that camaraderie. It's hard to talk them off of the football field. But we've seen former players file over a billion dollars of suit against the NFL combined saying we weren't given the proper warning signs. We didn't know that we were going to have these types of physical uh, ailments troubling us after we were done playing football. So it's kind of like they they don't see it when they're playing, but then afterwards when some people talk to them, they go, yeah, I'll get in on that suit, and now I, I want to sue the NFL. Remember that the older players not only were not informed about the dangers of concussion, they were misinformed because uh, I remember Elliot Pellman, who was the team doc, uh, NFL doctor, came out with a report saying that uh, – Concussions were not a major threat to health. One concussion had no effect on, on, the, on the next. And um, the league itself was minimizing the risk and denying that this was even a problem. So they had no way of knowing. Um, there are concussed or low-level concussed players on the field every single play. Uh, they're stunned. But it's, there's no cast on someone's uh, head. It's not like an obvious uh, injury um, somehow uh, other. The reason why it's important for older players to speak out is because players are so stoic, because they may not recognize the symptoms that are occurring gradually as they age, um, they don't tell younger players. Um, they tend to just suck it up and be tough about their injuries. We need older players and Unfortunately, they can't do it in some cases because the damage has already occurred, but the people around them need to describe what's happening to younger players so they understand, like the ghost of uh, Christmas future, what's waiting for them. Veteran sports agent Lee Steinberg is joining us here on Sports Business Radio. Follow him on Twitter at Steinberg Sports. 
Lee, you're a trusted advisor to your athlete clients and their families. You've always had that great personal relationship with them. We know the stats about many athletes going broke soon after their playing careers are over. There's even been some documentaries lately that have detailed that. Uh, what needs to be done to set athletes up so they're better able to sustain themselves post-playing career? The first thing that we always insisted on was that athletes be role models and retrace their roots to the high school, collegiate, and professional communities. Because if they go back and nurture those relationships, if they set up a high school scholarship fund, a collegiate scholarship fund, if at the professional level they put a foundation together that tackles, oh, for example, as Wark Dunn did in Atlanta and Tampa with his Homes for the Holidays program. Right which puts single mothers into the first homes they'll ever own. What happens is we put together an advisory board that will reflect the leading business community and, and other leaders. The first key is from day one, when a prospective client walks into the office, we, we talk about the fact that whether they're immensely successful or not, at some point when they're still young, their career will end. So the question is, I always ask them, what other talents do you have? What else do you think you can do? Let's use the off-season to develop them. So the first thing is that by networking off the field, um, some of my 49ers uh, have been able to create hedge funds because they were playing in Silicon Valley. I mean, our business rests on the irrationality of middle-aged men. And so they love sports. And, uh, and it's easy to network. So to bring this generation along as owners, so a model would be Daron Cherry, who was uh, uh, all pro safety. So he had the Cherry Foundation, which did a lot of good for Kansas City youth. And that led, when he retired, to him being granted the Anheuser-Busch distributorship, which Bud Beer in uh, Missouri's license to print money and that led to us introducing him to Wayne Weaver, who then offered him a minor amount of equity. So he actually became an owner in the Jacksonville Jaguars, as Ray Childress did with the Houston Oilers. So this generation of players can be different, can be better, and use those off-seasons so that Steve Young went to law school. Other people did broadcast. Other people started developing businesses so that it wasn't a rude awakening when the uh, career was over. And from the beginning, they need financial planning um, that, that budgets them and teaches them the basic. They need a safety net um, and not to have financial planners who uh, they sign power of attorney over to that end up, uh, 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 worst case, absconding with the money, best case, not preparing them for life after football. They need to be empowered. Well, then there's a lot of athletes who trust their family members, their brother, their sister, their mother, their father, their cousin with their money and with running their off-the-field life, and those people aren't qualified to do it, and they wake up one day and they're broke. What you'll find is that the um, players that come from stable families um, – when they come off the college uh, campus in, in, in baseball or basketball or football for the draft, 
um, will have their parents involved in the whole agent selection and the whole financial planning selection. So they get better protected and they, they frankly, for most of the players who come from those backgrounds, they end up with really strong financial planners who've got a big fiduciary responsibility and they end up fine. Remember, they're getting an awful lot of money. It's really hard to lose it all because you buy a fancy car or a nice TV. Uh, it's, it, you really have to work at making bad investments or supporting multiple families or getting divorced to, to ruin those economics. Now, the kids from, from that don't have that background are sort of left on their own and that's where, in some cases, you see agents signing players early or financial planners, and, and uh, that doesn't work out so well. And it's really not their fault. Um, they just need to be directed better. My guest is Lee Steinberg. Follow him on Twitter at Steinberg Sports. Let's talk about you for a few minutes. Uh, you were raised by parents. You had a parent who was a teacher and a parent who was a librarian both very committed to community service. How did they impact you so that you've passed those uh, qualities along to your clients? That's something that's always been important for you with your clients. Um, I was raised by a father who had two core values. One was to treasure relationships, especially family. And the second was that I had a duty to make a positive impact in the world to help people who couldn't help themselves and to try to change things for the better. So I sort of fell into sports law, and I was looking for a way to make it serve people. And I found out through role modeling, um, when we had Lennox Lewis cut a public service announcement that said, real men don't hit women, um, that was able to influence attitudes towards domestic violence uh, in very uh, dramatic ways where those same group of uh, rebellious adolescents would not have listened to an authority figure. So I saw the power that they had, and we've uh, utilized this to fight uh, racial prejudice, to, to get kids to follow an education, to work on, a, 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 on diseases, to do all sorts of things. I've gotten, we formed a Sporting Green Alliance, to take sustainable technologies in wind, solar, recycling, resurfacing, and water, the stadia arena and practice fields at the college, high school, um, and professional levels uh, to, to try to get them in, to incorporate them into their physical grid, to drop carbon emissions and energy costs, and to transform them into educational platforms so millions of fans can see a waterless urinal or see a solar panel <clears throat> and think about how they put those concepts into their own homes and businesses. So you put sports in the forefront of fighting uh, climate change. Uh, it can be such a powerful tool um, to use the cultural symbols to try and do good um, that uh, it's a waste if, if it's not done. 
you've done such a great job with your clients over the years. And again, you're the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire, and that certainly comes out in the movie, the relationship Jerry Maguire has with his client. And uh, it goes beyond just a business relationship. It seems like you're really there passionate for your clients, and it becomes more of a, a family relationship. Well, if you sort of profile clients and you, you try to pick people who have a good heart, who care about others, and uh, who are ambitious in terms of second career, then um, it's possible to believe in them and to be quite passionate for them. I mean, I just um, presented Warren Moon back at our mutual high school, Hamilton High in Los Angeles, to um, a, a Hall of Fame celebration where the, the hall takes the uh, members back to their high schools and does a second celebration. And he and I went through 23 years of, uh, of career together, which was six in Canada and 17 in the NFL. Um, over that time, you experience everything together. And they're not relationships like um, would be in another legal field. Um, they're much closer than that. Um, some of the older athletes I sort of grew up with <laughs> wasn't much older than they were. Hmm. Uh, I think I was 25 and Steve Bartkowski was 21. Um, and um, the real key is to, to learn who they are as human beings and what their deepest anxieties and fears are and their greatest hopes and dreams and really tune in at a deeper level. Lee, I want to ask you about the last 10 years or so. Your your struggles are well documented. You've been very forthcoming with your struggles. Uh, I commend you for battling your demons, and it seems like you're set to relaunch now in a bigger and better way than maybe when you launched originally. I'm sure you've learned a lot of lessons in the last 10 years. First of all, talk about your relaunch of Steinberg Sports, and then maybe talk about some of the lessons you've learned over the last decade yourself. The reality is my life sort of went in reverse, where you're supposed to have years of travail and struggle. Uh, I started with the first player in the NFL draft, mm. and then very quickly had 60 first-round draft picks and eight players that were first pick, and this has been uh, 38 years now, and uh, half the starting quarterbacks, and we had a big baseball practice, and I wrote a best-selling book, and, and involved with three sports movies that were very popular, and I led the effort to save the San Francisco Giants and the A's and not so successfully the Rams, and uh, our athletes raised almost um, uh, a little north of $800 million for charities. Um, and then due to a series of personal um, circumstances, um, I started to drink too much. And I found alcohol to be a problem. And I finally came to the point in March of 2010 where I said, look, I've got to stop my life until I can come to terms with this. And so I did. That was around 966 days ago. Not that I'm counting. Uh, <laughs> but that's a great started. job. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and that led to financial reverses and went through bankruptcy. Um, uh, alcohol is something that I'll have to be diligent about for the rest of my life. Um, 
but the other problems are solved and behind us. So we're about to get funded for a new firm that will do representation in football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, uh, golf, tennis, and, and a number of other sports, and then use that to power a large marketing arm that can market teams, leagues, any prominent uh, individual, um, corporations, and, uh, and then a studio, not in the brick-and-mortar four-wall sense, but in the virtual sense, it does sports theme, motion pictures, television, reality series, dramatically scripted series, competitions, um, video games, um, mobile phone apps, uh, internet apps, uh, and health and, and, and science uh, products that are developing very quickly. And I can consult with those companies. I can help get them funded. I can um, bring them out into the athletic community. And uh, so, as usual, they're <laughs> very modest goals, just to change American sports and culture for the better. <laughs> That's great, and it's very exciting. Uh, tell us about what does your staff look like? And, you know, I think a lot of people saw Jerry Maguire and they go, oh my gosh, I want to be a sports agent. And, you know, I've worked in the sports industry for a long time, and I tell people, you know what, being a sports agent is hard work. Sometimes you spend a lot of time chasing a client and you don't wind up with that client. Maybe you can give people just a, a real-life <laughs> look at, hey, it sounds great and the movie's great and there could be a lot of fun, but behind the scenes, there's a lot of hard work going on. Well, um, the public representation's the tip of the iceberg because you know, people will see me throw our big Super Bowl party. Or, right, exactly. Uh, to movie premieres or be featured in magazines or television shows or see something like Jerry Maguire come out, and they think, well, that's probably what you do all the time. No. Um, actually, the process of representing athletes is intensely competitive. Every man in this country and increasing numbers of women grow up loving sports, and it becomes apparent at some point that they're probably not going to be professional athletes. So then you try to find some way to get back to it. And um, the most glamorous of all would be to represent key athletes. Um, the first thing I encourage people to do is take a broader look at the field and understand that there are jobs in, in uh, for working for leagues, for teams, individual franchises, for conferences, um, in the athletic department at colleges, um, uh, in players' associations. And then there's a whole world of sports television, which is huge. And then there's the whole world of marketing and memorabilia and collectibles, which is huge. So to think of sports is more expansive because for 90-something percent of the people who enter sports representation, they invest a lot of money. They spend a lot of money recruiting players. The economics don't work because you can only charge a football player 3% of his contract as a fee um, or a basketball player um, based on a formula, much less than 4% of that initial contract and baseball 5%. So they'll find that the amount of expenses that they run up 
is is more, and they spend their whole life recruiting rather than doing what you do in a mature practice, which is you take the three components: recruiting, contract negotiation, and client maintenance. Um, the vast majority of time spent recruiting against thousands and thousands of other people um, trying to somehow get a message across. And uh, sports law is waiting outside a locker room for players that are always the last to come out of the locker room. Mm-hmm. You got that right. <laughs> and it's waiting in a hotel for people who may or may not show up. And it's... Um, um, you know, sitting in an airport to pick someone up. And it's only a field that should be embarked in by people who have true passion and ambition and are willing to do anything and everything. When I when I started, um, I was my own secretary. I typed my own letters. Um, I answered my own phone. Um, so nothing was ever beneath me. Um, and it's it's uh, but it's the process of meeting players of of sort of figuring out all their needs. That's client maintenance, and then the contract negotiations. Um, but they're not very um, exciting or creative until you start to get to really talented veterans or high draft picks. Last question for you, Lee. I am going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. You're sitting with me, and you're pitching me on why I should choose Steinberg Sports as my agency. Give me the pitch. (laughs) Um, What you initially want to do is to be drafted as high as you can uh, be drafted. And uh, we will take you through a process that's led, if it's football, 60 players to be first-round picks, but more importantly, eight players to be the very first pick in the draft, seven players to be the second, three players to be the third. So it's the ability to understand um, and not be able to convince a team to take you. That's uh, ludicrous to think I'm going to get Bill Parcells to change his uh, view of someone, but to get you best prepared in best shape understanding how the pros evaluate you to get you through the draft. And the next step is going to be a contract negotiation. And our goal is to have you in camp on time um, with the first mention of the contract being um, when you come out and sit at the signing uh, and you're very happy and you're talking about what you plan to do on and off the field for the team. And uh, the next step is going to be building you into charity and community um, and building those friendships outside of the sport. And um, if, if we're able to maintain and understand how to conduct yourself publicly and all the rest, then I've had eight players go into the Hall of Fame. And you can end up being a Thurman Thomas or a Derek Thomas or a Bruce Smith or you know, Howie Long or, or Warren Moon or Troy Aikman or Steve Young and come out with a life that's um, um, good in terms of a family, good in terms of, of community and charity involvement, good in terms of a really exciting second career job, and moreover, I'm not just going to put dollars in your bank book. I'm going to 
constantly be pushing to make sure that, that the health and safety issues so critical to the way you live um, after you retire um, are always in the forefront so that um, um, we don't just sit and accept something like a concussion. Uh, the goal is to go out there proactively and to try and change the culture towards it. So if any of that appeals to you, um, um, we might have an exciting adventure together. Lee, as the line in Jerry Maguire said, you had me at hello. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm with you, baby. Uh, hey, I I know you're going to – before I let you go, I know you're going to have a 26th Super Bowl party in New Orleans. That's very exciting. You always have the best Super Bowl party. But if people want to follow your relaunch, what's the best way for them to do it? Is it by following you on Twitter at Steinberg Sports? Do you have a website that you want to throw out there? We do. I think it also somehow is like at Steinberg Sports, um, and um, we, we blog, we have an – number of interesting features as we leap into the new world of social media and um, um, but I, I tweet I Facebook um, you know when I realized that my kids didn't even read a newspaper and that as my daughter told me one day she said dad don't you understand Facebook friends are real friends <laughs> <laughs> so as you start to get that perspective um, we start to do those things, and I'm in the process of writing an autobiography that will uh, we have to turn in in a couple months, and we'll be out um, sometime next year. I'll look forward to reading that. We'll have to have you on again to uh, talk about the book. Lee Steinberg, the super agent who has really uh, revolutionized the sports agent industry over the last 30 years. Follow him on Twitter at Steinberg Sports. Lee, it's a pleasure to speak with you, and uh, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy your work, Brian. Take it easy. Thank you very much. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, thanks for making the time again to join us this week on Sports Business Radio. Remember, you can find our podcast at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're also on iTunes. Just type in Sports Business Radio. You can find our Twitter link at SB Radio. 
And we're also on Facebook. You can find all those links at sportsbusinessradio.com. A reminder again, at the end of the year, in just a few weeks, we're going to have our top 10 sports business stories of the year 2012. We'd love your submissions. You can email those to me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com, or you can tweet them to me at SB Radio. A lot of thank yous this week. Our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Also want to thank Josh Blank and Doug Zanger. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Happy holiday season to you for Brian Griggs. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. And I brought me some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thank Thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.